Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on wedding announcements, managing messaging apps at work, whether or not to write a thank you note to your SO's family, how to handle naming a sixth, and wedding regrets. And finally, a very special question. Yes, indeed. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on meeting etiquette. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning. And I'm back. Welcome back. Yay! It's so good to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to hear you say that. I had an awesome time in Colorado. It was incredible. I managed to miss every storm system at exactly the right time for my driving all over to the different places I was driving to. It was kind of a miracle. Like Dan's crossing his fingers and travel. I've got a lot coming, and it's not as comfortable as it is in the summertime. It is. Although summertime, you get all the storm systems and tornadoes and things. So it's like that's it's it is it's different kinds of trouble, but. I actually got to go visit our cousin, Casey Post, and his wonderful wife, Satya. Hi, Casey. Hi, Satya. (laughs) Got to stay with them for a few days and visit our Auntie Tanya. And it was just awesome because I've never gotten to go and see that branch of our family in kind of their home. I didn't know Tanya was part of this trip. I'm learning things right here. I know, right? So, yeah, Tanya lives in Snowmass, and Casey and Satya live in Carbondale. And so I stayed with them in Carbondale. We went up to Snowmass for one night. Night, um, and had a fabulous time staying with Auntie Danya. So jealous. I know. It was she's awesome and they're awesome and it was all awesome and we did fun things and <laughs> Casey is our oldest cousin and he was always the coolest of the cousins he because still is, he was the just oldest. So, you know, like, so Casey does like extreme snowmobiling and like um, you know, just like will go up to the firing range at lunch and like, you know, practice his target shooting. And he's just fun. Like he, he likes to get out and do cool stuff. And he is a massively big heart. He was always the cousin that brought something cool and interesting to the day. He was the one that was on Rescue 911. You know what I mean? Like, would you guys remember that show? Like, <laughs> He's the cousin that when you when you saw the cousin exchange lottery, yeah. Casey got you. Oh, it was it always, was always the be best. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. Like, he welds things and, and has this, like, awesome job where he gets cool stuff. It's just, he's really cool, dude. But it was really fun because I also got to venture off to Telluride for the weekend where I had never been. Thin air, man. It is definitely tough to breathe. I would jog up like three steps and be like, okay, so we're going (laughs) to that restaurant. Give me a second. (laughs) It was was real. Um, But very cool taking the gondola like up and over the mountain to drop into the village and uh, just stunningly beautiful views. I got to go snowmobiling for the first time in my life. So that was native Vermonter. I know I never did. And you had like wanted a sled when you were really little. I remember I remember that story of like, I want a snowmobile. And your parents are like, no. (laughs) You're like, but that kid got one. Um, But it was a blast. Colorado is 
kind of a second home. I've spent a lot of time there over the years, and I love it. And um, it was really nice to be there. I got to actually, I got to drive Casey's WRX, uh, like, for a a three-and-a-half-hour trip between Carbondale and Telluride. Gorgeous. McClure Pass, I posted some pictures of it, is amazing. I'm not getting any less jealous over here. I know. I'm just going to, like, keep talking. No, I won't keep talking. It was a fabulous trip. I had a great time. I'm so glad to be back. But it is is hard to be away from our work and the podcast. I'm not going to lie. I love that you had Pooja on as a guest. I was so excited for the audience to meet her a second time. She's been on the show for a postscript, but for a whole show. She's a genius, and she has the world's biggest heart. So I felt like she was probably one of the best person people we could ask for to join us. (laughs) You you were sweet to suggest it. It was a lot of fun for me. I was going to say, please tell me you had a blast hosting with your wife. (laughs) I did, and almost felt selfish because I enjoyed it so much. And I'm a big podcast fan, and I know that when I'm listening to podcasts, I like my usuals, I like my regulars. So I I always feel like you're asking a little something of your co-host and your audience when you bring new voices on board. So I really appreciated your (laughs) thought there, and I appreciated everyone out there being so welcoming and gracious. Hey, something really special is happening tomorrow. Do tell. No, really? Your daughter's first birthday. Oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> you totally thought I had business news, didn't I you? I did. I had gotten your, your Christmas card when I got back, your holiday card, wishing us a great 2018. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, like, when I get back, we're going to be two days away from Nishi's first birthday. I, my surprise was a little muted because we've already been celebrating. I Last bet. weekend oh, was I celebrating bet. with Pooja's family. Next <laughs> weekend, we're celebrating with my extended family yeah. and... In between, we have little things going on. Anisha's walking. This was the most exciting thing I heard on my trip to Colorado was when you said, she took her first steps and they're real steps. (laughs) She's turning into a little girl and it's happening right around that first birthday. And it is. It's just (laughs) awesome. I'm enjoying it so much. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Okay, I'm just way too happy to be home. Well, it's good to have you here, but we have a show to get to. We do. No, we really do. And we've got some great questions. So let's get to them. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or please hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question begins, surprise, we're married. Hi, how do I word an announcement for a couple whose marriage no one knew about? Do I put both parents in the beginning? Do I put where they were married? Thank you, Mary Jane. Mary Jane, great question. Um, It sounds like you're doing this on behalf of the happy couple. And there are a couple considerations to take when it comes to an announcement. You don't have to worry about the fact that no one knew about the wedding. Announcements actually aren't obligatory. You don't even have to send one if if the couple doesn't want to. But in the circumstances where it was a very quiet or small or private or even an elopement, it is kind of nice to spread that word in a traditional way. I think it's kind of a nice juxtaposition of like something a little different with something very traditional. And we live in a world where not everybody reads the same paper in town. Yeah. And oftentimes that announcement was in a paper and most of the people who you'd want to know found out that way. Today, sometimes you have to make a little bit of an effort to be sure you spread the word. And I think this is still a really smart tradition given social media. It's so easy to just post photos of the wedding and make that announcement that way. But 
you have no idea how many of your friends and family are actually going to see that particular post. Very easy to miss those things. So a wedding announcement is actually a really wonderful way to include folks in your marriage, especially in this particular case. So, so what do you do? I know, right? So something to think about is that... Um, this is going to be a, a slightly different announcement, a traditional announcement. Usually, whoever it is that had hosted the wedding is who you start the invitation off with. It's it's kind of similar to a wedding invitation, except it's not. It's announcing that the marriage has happened. So a very traditional wedding announcement would read like this. Mr. and Mrs. Frank Williamson have the honor, spelled with an uh, H-O-N-O-U-R, if we're going formal, of announcing the marriage of their daughter, Amy Sue, to Mr. Pierre-Michel Dumas, Saturday, the 17th of January, 2017, Oakland, California. Alternately, you could also include the groom's family in it if they all hosted, and you could say something like Mr. and Mrs. Frank Williamson and Mr. and Mrs. Louis Dumas have the honor of announcing the marriage of their children and then list the names, um, you know, Amy Sue and Pierre Michel. And again, this is very formal. This is where ladies have taken their husband's names. This is not always the case. If you did not take your husband's name, you may absolutely, it would be your full name as well as his full name um, on the line that connects the two of you. This is, again, the most traditional, the most formal. This couple may choose to issue the announcement from themselves, especially given that it sounds like no one knew about this wedding, so you don't really have hosts to the wedding. So it might be that, you know, Jim and Louisa uh, would like to announce their marriage on, and then you put the date. And it's it's very simple wording. Um, it can be as formal as you would like it to be or as casual as you would like it to be. I think given the informal nature of the wedding, something that really celebrates it and I think says it in a positive and fun way um, and shows the excitement about this wedding is a great idea. People sometimes feel like because they chose to elope that they or and I'm just assuming elopement but it may not be it might be just a very small wedding it's the no one knew about that gets me like assuming that it's okay to still celebrate this and to be positive sometimes folks feel like they have to tone it down because they feel like oh wait we kind of excluded people from this not at all. I don't think your mom, who got married on her own, you know, with your father down at City Hall, they didn't turn around and feel like they had to hide this. And I don't want other couples to feel that way either. Feel encouraged to spread this news and spread it with as much joy as you're feeling in your heart. I have nothing to add except congratulations. So I asked her last night at a graduation prom, and she said yes. We're going to be married in August. Wow, married. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. 
What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is titled, Please Pause Pings. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I am so happy to have recently discovered your podcast. I spend most of my free time watching crime shows and getting depressed about the general state of affairs. And your podcast is exactly the breath of fresh air I need to remind me that there's still plenty of kindness and courtesy in the world. So a little background before I get to my question. I am an upper-level manager reporting directly to the CEO at a relatively small company. I have ADHD, which makes it very difficult for me to stay focused at work. I use a number of organizational tools to help me in this endeavor, and I'm improving. Hooray! But there's one thing that gets in the way involving my coworkers, who, by the way, are all wonderful people and part of a close-knit group. The issue is we all work in different offices and are therefore constantly using Gchat, WhatsApp, and various other online chat apps to communicate with one another. It's non-stop, and it's making it very difficult to focus on what's important and get things done. I've tried addressing this issue before, and while everyone agrees that we should reel back our rapid-fire communications, it never seems to affect behaviors in the moment. I've also tried muting my notifications, but it doesn't seem to change the expectation that I respond rapidly to the flood of inquiries, usually unimportant-ish, that come in. I even suggested that we all adopt a policy of no pings between 9.30 and 11 a.m. unless something is really urgent, so that we all have some time to focus and prioritize in the mornings. My colleagues all thought this was a good idea, but then after a couple days reverted back to old habits. I do want to be helpful and address my colleagues' requests within a reasonable time frame, but I am finding the current climate quite disruptive. How do I address this issue? Should I just continue ignoring the pings and keep people waiting? Or is there a way to address the matter more proactively without sounding like I'm asking them to shut the heck up? Thank you in advance. Sincerely, sorry for the delayed response. (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is a great question. Yeah. And this is definitely a new business etiquette question that's worth thinking about and addressing. Awesome. I just have to say that my smile is beaming right now because you've got communication, compromise, and commitment, my three C's. I do. In your answer. Do you take it away? My first thought. Yeah. We 
talk about on this show all the time how the place to combat rudeness is to think about our own actions and behaviors and how difficult it can be to combat rudeness because so much rude behavior happens unintentionally. We do little things that we don't mean to do or that are interpreted in ways that we don't intend them to be, but they end up causing emotional harm or distress. It's subtle. It's tricky. It requires self-awareness and reflection and, and real engagement to identify these things. I feel like it also requires quite a lot of decision making because in your head, you're constantly deciding, is now the moment I address this or not? And it's like you're always backing off and and kind of applying a little pressure, backing off and applying a little, or at least before you make a decision, your brain is kind of waffling back and forth and back and forth. Sometimes your brain doesn't even turn on. These decisions, we make so many of them, they're happening at this pre-conscious level. And if you can push them into that, that conscious part of your mind where you make a choice, Oftentimes you're going to make a good choice or a choice that works for you. So there are a couple of tricks. One's identifying habits and then the other's having a set of criteria you use when you make your choices that's helpful and useful. Breaking habits is hard to do. Yes, it is. It's even harder to get other people to break their habits. Almost impossible. So this is where our our advice is going to take two directions. Okay. The first direction is going to be about self-reflection, self-analysis, trying to make the changes that you can make to affect the change that you'd most like to see. My first thought is that this is going to take mental discipline and that the challenge is to not respond, to not let the behavior of others determine your actions. And the the place where you can, I think, do that the most easily is to not respond to these apps, these messages, these pings, distractions, yeah. these pings, these uh, these unimportant-ish messages. I like the acknowledgement that ish. there's an <laughs> ish there. Start with shorter time frames and then extend them. Start with manageable, digestible bites of time that you can carve out for yourself and then work on drawing those out into longer and longer time frames until you've achieved what it is you want to achieve. I like your idea of targeting the mornings. I've heard from so many productivity experts that the process of having some discipline directing your work early in the day is really an effective strategy. So I I, I like the way that you're thinking. Start with yourself. Give yourself the assistance that you need. Shut off the device, the alerts, the apps, the types of notifications that will distract or interrupt you. Do it for those shorter periods of time, then draw it out, but also take those actionable steps. They're going to help you really carve that time out and identify it. That was my thought was the shorter period of time because 9.30 to 11 was like – that's like an hour and a half. And as you and I know at good old EPI, um, all kinds of things can happen even within half an hour. So my thought was what if instead of an hour and a half block of time, what if you just check those messages on the half hour? I liked your idea though of making it like maybe check them every 15 minutes and then check them every half hour and then extend it to an hour and – I think that our question asker here can direct her own behavior or his own behavior so that it's something that they feel control of. People will get used to you. You start to reprogram the expectation in the relationship. Persist. Make small changes. People will start to pick up as you are consistent with how you do this. My second thought has to do with interacting with those other people. And I, I like the way you acknowledge that you've tried this before and it hasn't necessarily been picked up, that it's not always that this communication is unimportant, that sometimes there is a, a reasonable expectation. There's a, an expectation that's built up within the relationship for a certain time frame on response. Communicate. 
definitely figure out where you stand. Talk to that CEO. Talk to the one person that you do report to and talk to them about what it is you're trying to do, what your thoughts are, so that you know you've got their support and their backing. Let others know what you're doing. Be willing to grow that previous conversation. Don't act like it was a failure. Don't act like it wasn't heard or um, that you're really disappointed. Talk about wanting to try things, wanting to continue to address this. Try to build on what you've already done. Be prepared to compromise after Mm -hmm. you communicate. Just because you have an idea doesn't necessarily mean it's what's going to end up working. Right. Even if other people (laughs) buy in, would like it to, habits are hard to change. They're hard for us to change ourselves. They're even harder to get other people to change. And things happen directly in the moment. Like there is that moment where sometimes someone needs you right then and there. And there has to be a solution for that moment too. Notice how it works for you and for other people moving forward and keep that communication open. My one particular piece of advice about that communication is think about using these apps that people use to communicate. Meet your team in the medium that they're operating in. I'm signing off for the next 10 minutes to focus on X, Y, or Z. I'm signing off for the next 15 20, 25, 30, as you draw that time out. But (laughs) take that tool and and make it your ally. Make it your friend. That's the the last particular piece of advice I have. I think that you're approaching this problem with intelligence, with care, with consideration. Communicate. Be ready to compromise and commit to the changes that you're making. Lizzie's advice for (laughs) working well with roommates and living well with others I think works really well in a work situation as well. Absolutely. And if you want any sample language, one the final thing I will leave you with is – to also give people a way to reach you if something is that that in the moment I absolutely have to talk with you. So I love Dan's idea of using those apps to post and say, I'm kind of tapping out of this app for the next hour or so or however long it is. Um, so you might say something like, hey, guys, I'm going to check my app messages at the top of the hour. If something's really important, please come knock on my door. And that's a great way to invite people to to come in if it's really, truly important. My guess is just the added effort of them having to get up and come and physically interrupt you will make them question whether how, or just how important that moment is. But it shows that you're open and not completely closed off, that you're a part of the team and communicating. Because this is something for you, And it's something you're struggling with, but it seems like everyone else seems to kind of be on this wave of just, oh, yeah, we can handle all the interruptions. It might not be something you have to announce in a staff meeting, but Dan's idea of going to that app and posting kind of what your status is, is a great one. So I say use that and invite people to come in if they absolutely have to. Sorry for the delayed response. We hope our response works for you. First, of course, know your work. Enjoy it but also enjoy the people you're working with. Consider it of them, and be considered of your employer. Those rules have certainly helped me. I shall always be grateful for them. Our next question has to do with when you're family, when you're a guest. Dan and Lizzie, I stayed with my significant other's parents for a couple days over the holiday season. This was my first stay with them. I brought a poinsettia as a host gift. They graciously had gifts for me to open when they exchanged gifts and made me feel included. Not once did I feel out of place. As I think back on my time, is it best practice to send a thank you note for my stay or a thank you note for the gifts? I relate this situation to my parents, and I'm not sure if I'm right in this thinking. I would not send a thank you card to my parents for letting me stay at their house or for my gifts. I hug them and say thank you on my way out. Is that and the poinsettia enough for his parents? Thank you for blessing the world with your advice. Family-like, housed guest. 
I love this question. It's a really good one. And I think it's great that you brought a gift for your first day. We often recommend that. You probably won't won't have to bring a gift if this relationship continues and, and you build it further. You know, you don't have to bring it each time, although it is nice. It's always nice. But I think given that this isn't your family and this was your first day, that a thank you note is really appropriate. You, you were totally, totally embraced as family. Like very clearly, these folks were welcoming you in. They were making you feel included in everything. But I would fall back on those traditions of a thank you note and and writing a thank you note for gifts. Even though you said thank you in person, this is a great moment to use etiquette to shine and to really cover all your bases. So I might write a note that's a thank you for the stay. Thank you for making me feel so welcome and included. You know, I really felt like part of the family and, you know, the sweater you got me or the whatever it is was just phenomenal. And I really appreciate your generosity and kindness. Something like that would be a wonderful note. And you could still send it. I know that it is the end of January, but you could say, you know, as the winter goes on, I've just been reflecting about that holiday and it made me feel so, so wonderful and warm inside. You know, you could easily have a lead in like that um, to make the note feel appropriate, even though it's about a month after the holiday at this point. I like your sample script where you zipped up those two thank you messages yeah. for the stay and the gift. I think that's entirely appropriate oh, yeah. in a case like this. This is the perfect moment to talk about the obligation and opportunity. Do it, dude. But no, it's not your obligation <laughs> to do this. Probably the thank you note police will not come knock on your door <laughs> if you if you fail to execute on this. But it is a real opportunity. I, I love your approach, Cousin Lizzie. I also love the note at the end of your script notes for this question. What did I say? In, in reflecting on... On maybe how you don't share thank you notes with your own family because you are so close with them. Right. Because it's not something that you traditionally do or that you do out of habit or as a practice. And you you acknowledge that sometimes relationships do get to the point where they are so close that you that warm, genuine in-person thanks is is enough. But then you note in parentheticals, though mom might fall over with shock if you did <laughs> send her that thank you note. And it, it, it's never too late. You can always seize the opportunity to make one of these gestures. And maybe true. the process of visiting a significant other's family gets you sitting down at a desk <laughs> writing thank you notes. And you decide to include one to your own family this year well. also. So now I'm just adding on to this. The but thank you notes. We're trying to keep the mail system alive and support stationary, you know. <laughs> it might become a new tradition. You never know. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Family-like houseguest, we hope this gives you a nice option to feel really confident about writing this thank you note to your significant other's family. And we are so glad that you had such a wonderful time. This is a thank you letter for a gift. The one I want to write is a thank you letter for a visit. Right. But these are both thank you letters. There. I think that's a good thank you note. Do you want to hear it? All right. Our next question is titled, The Sixth. Hello, my husband and I are having our first child. If it's a boy, we would love to continue the family name. My husband is a fifth. Is it reasonable to have a sixth, or is this reserved for royalty only? Thanks, Anonymous. I'm going to take a very American approach to this and say reserved for royalty. I know. What royalty? We we love royalty. We love (laughs) the crown. Yes, we do. (laughs) 
But I think we also love traditions and we love family traditions and I love family names. There are certain names that are handed down in families and sometimes it's not the exact same first name, middle name, last name. So you can't even claim that fourth, fifth, sixth designation. But family names are often part of of really great family traditions. And I say go ahead and honor it. Congratulations on the new arrival and – on thinking about a possible sixth. I love it. I love it. And it's it's totally fine to extend this name to a sixth. I knew a duke who was a third and his son, a duke who was the fourth. And yes, the name was Duke, but it was like Cowboy Duke, not like Duke of such and such. I am dying to know if any of our listeners out there are beyond a sixth. Do you have a seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth in your family? Please let us know. We would love to know how your family handles it. If there's any issues you've come up with or if it's just really, really cool and unique, um, we would love, love, love some feedback. Anonymous, name away. Our next question is about sending regrets. Hello. I love listening to this podcast while I'm at work or driving. It helps me think about others more and how I interact and serve them. Thanks for using this platform in this way. I have a question about telling a friend that I cannot attend her wedding. One of my friends from college is getting married in Texas. I have known about her wedding for a few months and was planning on attending. Some close friends of my boyfriend and I are getting married in Oregon the same weekend. It would be possible for me to attend both, but I feel like I should attend the Oregon wedding because my boyfriend is from there and it would be a great excuse to visit his hometown and family. How do I tell my friend from Texas that I cannot attend her wedding? I should be able to attend a shower of hers. Would it show that I still do care about her, but I just can't make the scheduling work? Help, overscheduled wedding guest. Oh my goodness, I totally understand this pressure. And whether it's another wedding, whether it's a vacation you already planned, whether it's just mom's birthday, there are all kinds of things that get in the way of us being able to attend weddings of people that we really love and care about. But I always want to encourage you, overscheduled wedding guest, that your schedule is your choice. And you can always shower your friend with love and support from afar, even if you can't be there on the big day. It is perfectly okay for you to decline this wedding invitation and send your regrets. A heartfelt note with that or phone call is a great way to let your friend know you really do regret that you can't be there, but you have other plans. You know, you kind of just have to make these choices because you can't be everywhere at once. And if your boyfriend's Oregon wedding takes precedent, then it does. And it's okay. You don't have to explain those reasons to your friend. You don't have to feel guilty about them either. I would encourage, especially because you said you would be happy to attend a shower or support the other kind of pre-wedding parties. It's kind of a funny position, but if she hasn't already invited you to them and you guys are close enough, you might let her know that you would really like to attend anything possible to support her before the wedding. But if you're not that close, you're kind of like then inviting yourself to some parties. And so I would just be a little cautious when you do that. You know your relationship with her. You'll know whether um, you're you're going to those parties or not. But typically, you don't invite anyone to a shower who wasn't invited to the wedding. You're going to be invited to the wedding. So she can send those shower invitations to you. It is still appropriate. You will still be, I'm assuming, sending her some kind of a token or commemorative gift for the wedding. That's at least the advice from an etiquette standpoint now. <laughs> I like the way you're walking this etiquette line here. Right. And when you started to talk about maybe mentioning that you would still be interested in a shower, I was like, now why would, oh, because you're right, if you're not invited 
invited to the wedding, then you're usually not invited to the shower. But I think you're also sort of correct, my cousin Lizzie, in identifying that there's probably technically a wedding invitation that's been issued, which means you are on that hosting eligible list of people to invite to the shower events. But just checking. Hosting eligible list of people to invite. Did anyone get the title of that saying, list? Okay, okay, so probably <laughs> no, the grammatically that. correct version would be the host eligible to invite list for these other parties. <laughs> I love it. But to just check in about that and say that you would maybe even appreciate that. I don't think oversteps your bounds. Again, think so thinking about the closeness of this relationship and really wanting to participate in any way that you can. And you might consider doing something like if you are going home to Texas at any point or if you're able to make a trip to go visit her to spend some special time with her. That is always greatly appreciated. I know friends of mine who have said, you know, my best friend actually really couldn't be there because of work or something like that. But boy, it was so great. She came the week before the wedding or two weeks before the wedding and really helped me out. And it was wonderful. We spent some really special time together. So things to consider, again, based on the relationship that you have with your friend in Texas. And we hope that you feel really confident in declining this wedding invitation and still supporting your friend. Yes, sir. With friends, it's a great old world. Well, Dan, for our final question of the day, we actually have a question that is a very special question. And it's not for me, and it's not for you, and it's not from either of us. Are you curious? I am so curious. Why don't we play our next question? Hope. It is often difficult for me to express the way I feel about you in my heart. So I'll say it as simply as I can. When I first gazed into your eyes on that first date, I knew I found someone special. At that point, all I wanted to do was take you out on another date. During those dates, I saw a spirit in you so kind, considerate, and passionate for the simple things in life that I just wanted to be with you more and more. Now, when I leave your side and go back to work, all I want to do is be with you. Never in my life has one person so gracefully opened my eyes to the possibility of such an extremely happy life? Since I hate to leave your side, there is only one solution which can make that happy life continue forever. And that is this. Hope and Frederigo, will you join me in a life of happiness, simplicity, and joy? Will you marry me and make me the happiest man on earth? Well, just like us, you're going to have to tune in next week to find out Hope's answer. Wow, Barry! Thank you to everyone who sent us a question. You can send your next question, comment, or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions that we answer and the topics that we cover. And this week, our first piece of feedback comes from Laura. 
Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I just finished listening to your Christmas podcast and was intrigued by Dan's comments about working with a performing arts group to develop etiquette suggestions. This brought me back to my college days. I went to Texas A&M, which I know is not high on a performing arts radar, but it does have a very active student organization that helps to bring large performing groups to campus for the students and community. Normally, these groups are traveling between Houston and Dallas and make a one or two night stop in College Station. This student group, known as... OPAS, the Opera and Performing Arts Society, does everything from PR, ticket sales, ushering, patron care, etc. This group taught me and many other college students not only how to behave in concert and performance settings, but also how to kindly encourage others to do the same. I learned how to deal with unhappy patrons as well as happy ones, the value of a quietly closed door, and the power of a smile and cough drops to make a bad situation better. (laughs) Through this group, I not only got to see performances by Yo-Yo Ma, Emmanuel Axe, and Mark O'Connor, and countless ballets, operas, and Broadway shows, but I also learned that the best accessories to take to a performance are an open heart, warm smile, and a pocket of cough drops to share. I am sure that there are other universities that have similar campus groups. I just thought you might be interested in a group that is teaching theater etiquette to college students who then lead the way for their communities. Happy New Year, Laura Graham. I think that's wonderful. Seriously wonderful. (laughs) I would add maybe like a packet of of like tissues or something like that (laughs) if they're not too noisy. But, (laughs) you know, like I thought that was really smart. Cough drop, a smile, a warm heart. All great ideas. It got it definitely got my my wheels turning and I really appreciate the feedback and I want to encourage everyone out there to keep the feedback coming about theater and performance etiquette. This is something we're going to be working on. It's a little theme that I really look forward to developing this year. I love it. Our next piece of feedback actually comes from a few people. We had uh, about 3 or 4 folks write in about DIY gifts and the costs of making them. And we've actually addressed this before on the show, but I wanted to address it again. And that is that during one of our holiday episodes, we talked about gifting and budget gifts. And in talking about less expensive gifts, we mentioned DIY, handmade, homemade gifts. And we had a number of listeners, all of whom were knitters, who wrote in to tell us that knit gifts aren't exactly cost savers and to please respect the crafting community and the time and effort that they put into materials and making of these gifts. And I really wanted to apologize because we in no way meant to imply that crafters, makers, and DIYers make cheap gifts. That is not the intention here. That is not the message we are trying to put out there. One of the reasons that we talk about DIY gifts when we talk about budget-friendly gifts is because we often hear from folks who feel the pressure to purchase gifts in order for their gifts to feel legit. And this idea is one we like to squash by always including DIY as an option for budget-friendly gifts. However, we would like to be more careful in the future to include in our advice that DIY gifts can be a budget saver. They are not always, nor are they confined to being a budget saver. We don't want folks to assume that they always are. And just like with a purchase gift, sometimes they can be inexpensive. Other times the price can and effort can be quite high. One listener mentioned specifically that the recipients of these handmade gifts are often more grateful for something that had added time and effort to the gift itself. And Dan and I both agree wholeheartedly. DIY gifts should never be looked at as cheap or of lesser value or as a way to cut a corner. We, we just don't believe that. We don't see that. We don't experience that. However, 
there are a lot of DIY options out there that can be budget-friendly. And remember, budget-friendly doesn't mean cheap. It means budget-friendly. It's friendly to your budget. It's something you can accommodate and feel confident about. So we would like folks to simply remember that it means you are able to keep the cost of your gift within your own budget and that the goal is that we're always ensuring that folks know DIY gifts are a worthwhile option. I have to interject with a personal story. Yes. (laughs) Some of my most treasured gifts ever have been gifts that are things that have been made and made for me or for now my daughter. But one of those most treasured gifts was something that my cousin Lizzie gave me many years ago. I had spent some time traveling in Africa and... Lizzie is a quite a visual artist for for you listeners out there you might not be aware that that she paints and and crafts and collages and she made for me out of broken pieces of colored glass a, a glass collage of a, a scene from Africa it's absolutely incredible it's one of my favorite pieces of visual artwork and but it was a really remarkable gift it was so thoughtful and moving i mentioned at the top of the show that i was always excited when i got casey in the gift exchange but probably the best gift i ever got in the cousin gift exchange Aww. was a gift that my cousin lizzie post made for me oh so is this the part where I say it came from glass that I broke and had, it was literally a broken window that I had taken, shattered more, and then used the, the pieces to find the image that I wanted in it? It was of two drafts. To make a collage. Yeah, it was like a... I don't know if I would call it collage, but it was it was a it was definitely pieced together and it was it was an interesting piece. I, I was happy with it. But I loved it. Often when I think of DIY gifts, I actually think of those those glass pieces I used to make and that they did come from quite literally broken things in my life and that they then they then became something beautiful and meaningful but um, I kind of like the idea that that particular piece I remember you telling me that it stayed in California and we have no idea where it is now but I have this vision of it's living somewhere well thank you and thank you to everyone who sent in some feedback and inspired this discussion Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates, and please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to return to the world of business. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about meeting etiquette. I am preparing to be out on the road doing quite a bit of business training this spring. So as I get back into that material, we thought we would bring some of it to the podcast audience. So some some tips that often appear on a slide when I'm teaching business etiquette and particularly meeting etiquette. The first piece of advice that I like to get relates to social conduct. It's about knowing your role in a situation and that being essential to figuring out what the expected behavior for you might be. And when I think about a meeting, I think about whether I'm playing the role as a leader or organizer or an attendee or participant. And that if I'm a leader or organizer, I'm going to have a set of standards for myself about how I conduct myself, how I help other people figure out what's expected of them. If I'm attending as a participant, I'm really thinking about how to look for those cues and how to participate appropriately. That's the first step. Second step, timeliness, being there on time, being prepared if you're a leader, being ready to play that role, having the materials that you need to either present or to follow. So I like to tell people, show up with something in hand. Have a pen and paper. Have a computer or tablet you like to take notes with. Tell the meeting organizer that you're going to be taking notes or that you've got that device there to be in service of the meeting. Be ready. 
Be ready ahead of time so that you can be on time. Once you're there, participate. That means bringing your attention to the situation as well as your physical self. You want to show that attention. You want to be attentive and positive. You want to keep a, a neutral or positive expression on your face. You so hard to, to do. <laughs> look people in the eye. Smile. Engage. Talk when it's appropriate. Challenge yourself to contribute at some point, but don't dominate the conversation or take over a situation. I think this particular point was one of my biggest learning curves. I notice it regularly with folks who are in the work world for the first time or it's their first or second job. And the enthusiasm and excitement to share ideas, to be the the solution finder, you know, was, oh, it drives you so strongly and you're so proud to be able to make a contribution or to potentially have your idea be the one that is, is selected or thought of as, wow, that's that's great. Thank you for contributing that, even just appreciated that I know I had to work extremely hard to start tempering myself and having not a poker face, not an unpleasant face, not a serious face, but just simply patience in those meetings to realize that even if I didn't contribute it here in the meeting, I could still voice my idea afterwards. I could find appropriate avenues. And we talked about the mental discipline in that question. It was constantly using the mental discipline to say, Lizzie, do you have to say it right now? Or could you wait and say it later? It will still be as valid. And it might even be heard better not in a meeting. And so I just encourage folks who are feeling that moment of, oh, oh I, I want to say something. I want to say something. And your whole body tenses up and your face is like right to go and you're leaning forward to just take a deep breath and remember that you will get your chance. You can find your chance. It doesn't have to be right now. Sometimes that active role is an active listening role. Sometimes your participation is about bringing your attention and, and giving it or offering it to someone. Careful with those phones. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> there are still certain places where there's an expectation that you keep your attention with the people that you're with. And you really want to avoid giving the impression that you're distracted or that your attention is elsewhere. So as tempting as it can be, be careful with the emails, the text messages, and particularly with the conversations. Final piece of advice, follow up and follow through. If you're leading a meeting and you say that you're going to get back to people with something, get back to them with it. If you offer to take on a task, take on that task and follow through. So follow up with minutes if you're an organizer and complete tasks that you've agreed to complete if you have agreed to do something. That commitment to the agreements that you make will make you a more valuable contributor moving forward and make people more inclined to listen to you the next time you get together. Dan, what about when things go wrong in meetings? What about when you have that person that's either saying really negative things as you're leading a meeting or maybe interrupting the meeting or the presentation, whichever it is? How do you handle kind of that person who isn't behaving well in a meeting? We could do a whole other postscript just on behaviors and, and skills and tactics for playing that leader role or that organizer role. And this is definitely one of those places you want to step up if that is your job, that it's really your job to, to manage the situation and help make that meeting as productive for everyone as possible. So sometimes that's about engaging with that difficult comment personality <laughs> situation. Sometimes um, re really addressing a situation is enough. Um, you can address that concern and move on. If it's really becoming a distraction, there are tactics you can 
acknowledge it but ask to table it and return to it later. Try I to love that steer tactic. the focus <laughs> back to whatever it is that, that you're really there to do. Jim, let me answer that question at the end. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Right now, I'd like to keep us on task with and then continuing on, right? <laughs> if you've set standards at the start of the meeting with an agenda, a yeah. meeting agenda, this can be a really helpful tool. You yeah. can make a reference to that meeting agenda that you really like to stick to, keep your focus on. If you've said that we really need to cover these things before we leave today, you can always keep driving back to them. If you said this is a blue sky meeting, <laughs> everything's on the table. It's a little harder to do that. Yeah. but Although we used to do a good job. I felt like my sister, Anna Post, was really awesome about saying – I think that's a meeting for another, I think that's something for another meeting. Like, let's set up a time to talk about that specifically. And I always used to love that because it gave me the reassurance of, okay, good. We're going to talk about that later. I can, I can back off. I can resume being patient. <laughs> you can look for another ally in the room. Sometimes there's somebody else that you can engage and you can really start to include other people in the discussion. And that starts to even out that conversation pie a little bit. I love that idea. If things get really bad, you can always ask to take a break, address the question head on, but do it privately. Do it in a way that it doesn't necessarily happen in front of everyone there. I love it. I love it. Good behavior and how to tackle not so great behavior in meetings. And finally, we like to end our show on a high note. So we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today, our first salute comes from Proud in Parnassus Heights, San Francisco. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I am a longtime listener and wanted to give an etiquette salute to my parents, wonderful neighbors. We live in the San Francisco Bay Area and all were feeling the effects of smoke in the air from the Napa and Sonoma County fires. My parents are both older and my father suffers from breathing issues. One of their wonderful neighbors was nice enough to bring an air filter over for them for a few days that they both said made a significant difference in their air quality. The fact that this neighbor was aware enough to think of others and make the effort to bring an air filter up a steep hill makes me so grateful. In these times, it's always heartwarming to see people taking care of others. XOXO, proud in Parnassus Heights, San Francisco. It is good to hear people are taking care of each other out there. It is really our intent in these etiquette salutes to highlight all the good behavior that goes on in this world that is so often not part of the story. <laughs> and um, this is a really pleasant reminder that that is happening all the time. Dan, I love our next one because it brings up my alma mater, the University of Vermont. What have we got? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Last weekend, I had the privilege to visit my boyfriend at the University of Vermont. This was my first time visiting the state, but I had a wonderful time. Both my boyfriend and I noticed how truly considerate all our interactions were. My positive experiences began on my flight into Burlington, where the gentleman seated next to me gave me his business contact information to pass along to my boyfriend when I told him that he studies computer science. Everybody with whom we interacted that weekend, from the waitstaff at restaurants to the docents at the museum we visited, were truly lovely. I would also like to salute one of Vermont's newest citizens, my boyfriend, Ian. As always, he was a perfect gentleman while we were together, the picture of chivalry. I did not open a door myself and hardly paid for anything the whole weekend. He obliged my every request, including driving to VPR headquarters on Saturday evening just so I could take a picture by the sign and remind him that this is where my favorite podcast is recorded. Thank you to the state of Vermont and Ian in particular for making my first visit so memorable and enjoyable. I cannot wait to come back. 
Jenny, I can't tell you how excited Dan and I both are, and Chris too, that you actually have seen VPR Studios and now know where we are each week when we are recording that podcast. Um, their new facility is incredible, and I just I was so tickled pink when I saw this in your in your salute. Thank you so so much for coming to visit us here in Vermont. And thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out and become a sustaining member of the Awesome Etiquette podcast by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thank you, Chris. Chris. Wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs>